If you're looking for a podcast to break down all the latest trends on TikTok, <laughs> I deleted that app off my phone a long time ago. Um, I've never had it on my phone, so there well, we go. I had it briefly because I thought, well, I'll I'll enjoy some of these videos, and it was like, I waste enough time as it is. I don't need yet another time suck. Yeah. Although I do enjoy seeing the occasional one on like Twitter or something. Um, they come up in my Facebook a lot, and a lot of them have to do with dogs, so I'm all about them. Well, yes, of course. But but anyway, that we're not that. This is not that podcast. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a longtime married couple takes turns each episode selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary to watch. We watch it together, then we sit down and record our conversation about whether we like it, love it, or loathe it, and then share that with you. I'm Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitter at... Twitter. 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 T-W-I-T-T-E-R. Twitter. 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 Does that make you happy? Twitter? It all makes me happy. I'm just... I'm just basking in the presence that is Stan. Yeah, right. Uh, follow me on... Twitter. That bird thing. Um, at Movie Man Stan. You can also follow the podcast at CT Marriage. If you would like to get in touch with us via email, easy to do. Comedy Tragedy Marriage at gmail.com. You can even send us a voice message by clicking the link in the description of this episode. Joining me, as always, is my smart-alecky wife, yeah, of course this week I'm Maud the Miserable Broad, because duh. Well, yes, because it was my choice this week, and uh, as a way to pay honor and respect to James Kahn, who passed away last week at the age of 82, yeah. still active by the way, Yeah. Um, we decided, or I decided, to watch Misery. That's why I'm miserable. Yeah, yes. Well, I mean, the, the movie title. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm miserable in so many ways, but as I try to, you know, be some kind of broad that is germane to the title of the thing we watched. I think we got it. So, thank you. Mm. Okay. Uh, Misery is a 1990 psychological thriller. It was directed by Rob Reiner and is based on Stephen King's 1987 novel of the same name. It stars Mr. Kahn along with Kathy Bates, Lauren Bacall, Richard Farnsworth, and Francis Sternhagen. Um, Kahn plays Paul Sheldon, a, uh, a guy who writes books for a living, and he's very successful at it, especially the one character he has written pretty much all of his books about, called Misery. They're sort of romance novels. Misery Chastain is the character, and he's written a whole series. Yes, and she's constantly being, uh, you know, searching for love and happiness, but being thwarted, but coming out the better at the end of each of the novels. Uh, and he has just finished his first non-Misery book because his latest Misery book, which is coming out um, in a few days from when the movie starts is uh, a novel where misery is killed. 
These books, to me, just from what we're led to believe in the movie, um, these books are kind of like, not bodice rippers exactly, but sort of chick fluff. Well, the kind of, the, the, co the covers that we see in the movie suggest they are romance type novels. Chick fluff. Chick fluff. Uh, but, um, you know. It, but he's made a crap ton of money writing them. He has. He follows uh, a sort of same um, process. He goes up to a cabin in the mountains and uh, he, he writes his book and he has uh, a series of things that he always has with him as he's finishing the book. A cigarette because he quit smoking, but he celebrates the end of each book with a cigarette. A single smoke. A single smoke. Uh, a match to light that cigarette, and he lights it off of his thumb. Because he's super bad. Because he's, he's a tough guy. And um, also a bottle of Dom Perignon that he toasts um, his, his completing the book. Now, this book that he's just finished is not a Misery novel because, like I said, the one that's about to come out, uh, Misery dies in childbirth. We find that out later in the movie. By the way, we will be spoiling Misery, so if you haven't seen yeah. it, uh, you're, you're... We'll, we'll spurl it. Spurl it real good. Um, so, uh, he is finished with his new book, his first non-Misery book in a long time. And he starts driving down the mountain, and in his it's, super speedy tough guy Mustang. Well, it's it's a sixty. Did they say it was a sixty six or sixty five? Don't remember, but it's one it's of the a, two. It's a vintage muscle car, and uh, it is it has snowed and starts snowing again very heavily, and he crashes the car. It winds up on its top, uh, down the side of a hill. Um. And it seems like he's going to probably freeze to death in this car because he's unconscious. He's, he's injured badly. We find that out later. Uh, but then this mysterious figure comes up with a crowbar, pries open the door, and carries him to safety. And that person is Annie Wilkes, played by Kathy Bates. She is a nurse and someone who describes herself from the moment... We meet uh, her. Paul Sheldon wakes up as his number one fan. She's read all of his books and has loved them all. They helped her through tough times or through studying, you know, when, uh, or, you know, the various uh, bad parts of her life, of which there are many. And uh, she, she thinks he's the world's greatest writer. Well, he has two broken legs. Uh, and a dislocated shoulder. Busted uh, ribs, I think. Uh, I don't remember if the ribs were busted or not. But uh, because of the blizzard that bl started when he was driving, uh, the roads are closed and the phone lines are down. Uh, but she is a nurse, or a former nurse, so she's going to nurse him back to health. Um, and, you know, she's giving him painkillers and bringing him food when he's strong enough to eat and you know she just seems like an overly attentive but helpful person sort of 
uh, Florence Nightingale, if you will. She's like dorky super nurse. Yes. And really dorky. Really dorky. Um, and she, um, you know, says as soon as the road's clear and the phone lines are repaired, we'll call somebody and get him here to get you and we'll take you to the hospital. You know what? We would think, looking at her, that she would be like a crazy cat lady. Mm-hmm. We find out that she does have a pet, but it's not a cat. No, it's a pig named Misery. Misery, because she's, she's his a, number one fan. Right, and she's not a crazy cat lady. She's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, we we ended up buying the movie uh, from Apple. Uh, from iTunes, and it because you can't rent it. Yeah, on, we couldn't rent it there. And I've got some credits on there, so I just went ahead and did that. Uh, but there are bonus features. Yeah. There's uh, some, uh, there was a commentary. Well, there are commentary tracks that I think are from the actors. Yeah, that go on through the whole movie. For the whole movie. So they're, you know, like an hour 47 or mm -hmm. something like that. And there's two of those. But there was also a, a psychiatrist. The, the name of the bonus feature was Diagnosing Annie Wilkes. Yes. And he checks off all of her personality traits and she is a cornucopia of of Cray -cray. mental illnesses <laughs> and he even refers to her in a term that is not clinical at all he calls her nuts which fits well, yes so um but as time goes on uh paul begins to suspect that annie is not playing with a full deck she's She's a slice of salami short of a sub. She's, she's a few bricks shy of a load. Her elevator does not reach the top floor. Yeah. And she's, um, you know, still very helpful, but there are little flashes of things. Um, like um, she reads his new novel. He's got it in a satchel. She kind of like forces him to let her read it. Well, and because I think she thought it was another misery novel, and she hasn't gotten the last misery novel yet. Yeah. So she's reading it, and she says, "I don't like the language." Um, and her, and she says, "Well, I." He says, "I grew up on the streets, and that's the language of the streets." And she says, "Well, I don't talk that way." And I don't do, and she says some some curse words, but she says them wrong. Yeah. And her favorite curse word is cock-a-doody. Cock-a-doody. Yeah. Uh, she refers to a guy who pulls out in front of her on the street. Yeah, cocky-doody brain. Yeah. Um, she's not quite right. Um and she, and he begins to think that he's that she's lying to him about the roads because she winds up driving places and buying stuff. But um, you she's know, slick though; she's got an answer for everything. Yes, she does. Um, and she says the phone lines are still down. So as soon as as soon as they finish clearing out all the roads, they'll get to the phone lines. Mm -hmm. And um, so his new book hits the store shelves so she goes and buys it right away and she loves it she's she's flying through it she's she's just enthralled by this latest misery adventure until she gets to the end 
where Misery dies in childbirth. And she loses what little of her mind she had left. She loses her cockadoodie mind. Yes, and busts in on him in the middle of the night um, to throw her tantrum. Yes, saying you you cockadoodie murderer, <sighs> you've you've killed her. How could you you know? And she like grabs the end of the bed and shakes it up and down, which his legs are broken, so That's that a lot hurts of pain. incredibly. And you know, so he's really beginning to understand that she's dangerous. And then the next day she brings in a uh, barbecue grill, like a Weber grill, and puts his new book on it and covers it in, uh, lighter, in lighter fluid. fluid and hands him the match and, and says, you need to burn this. And at first he says, well, my publisher has lots of copies, but that's not true because uh, he just finished writing it. And she knows his, um, his process, and also she followed him. She was, she was going up to the, the lodge where he was staying and, you know, keeping an eye on him. Stalker. Yeah. And that's why she was able to get him out of the car so fast, because she had been following him. Um, and she says, no, your, your publisher doesn't have this yet. And so he ends up burning his new book and it just destroys him. And that's when he begins formulating a plan to get out of, of her clutches, which does not go well for him at first. Yeah. There, there are bumps in the road. <laughs> I guess you could call the hobbling scene a bump in the road. Now, let's give Aww. you some background. Uh, several, well, a couple of decades ago now. 25 years ago, Maud fell in the yard walking, hashtag Ernie the Wonder Beagle, mm -hmm. and um, Maud dislocated and broke her ankle and also broke the fibula in that same leg. So, um, Maud gets a little bit triggered when she sees similar injuries happen. And if I see a movie that I think Maud would like, but it's got an ankle break scene in it as, you know, for instance, the movie Men, which I saw in the theater a couple months ago. Not sure I liked it, but I thought Maud might, in, might have a differing view on it. Okay. But... There's a trigger There's scene a in it for There's a very Maude. graphic ankle break. Actually, an ankle break that happens like two or three times. Oh my gosh. So I thought, eh, I'm going to let that one go. And I, If you saw Joe Theismann back in the day break, <laughs> it's a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Um, except Joe Theismann's was in real life and the well, one in Misery was not. Well, yes. And, and she puts a, she realizes, she finds out that he's... Uh, Paul's been, out been of wandering room, around yeah. in her home and decides to uh, do what the uh, South African mine owners used to do to their workers. They still needed to be able to work, but they had to be uh, taught a lesson about stealing diamonds from the mine. Mm -hmm. So she puts a wooden block between his ankles and takes a sledgehammer and breaks both ankles. Yeah. Uh, it you know those 
they are very realistic looking rubber legs. Fake legs, yeah. It's it's awful. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it, it's a very well done scene. Um, so I so ha- I that. I warned Maud, and she had seen the scene before in a clip. Somewhere. In a clip, right? But uh, I said, you know, "Are you sure you can handle this?" And because Maud's badass, she's like, okay, I'll shut my eyes when it's about to happen. But the rest <laughs> of the time, I'm, I'm good. And that's what we did, and I yes. was fine. Um, the thing that I enjoy most, I think, about this movie, aside from it um, just being very well done, is the slow ramp up of the tension. You know, we... we you know, I kind of wish I had never heard anything about this movie and could see it with fresh Virg- eyes, virgin eyes, virgin eyes for the first time. Pretty cool, yeah. It would uh, be. Because, you know, obviously she's a little cracked. She's unbalanced. Uh, right from the beginning. But you don't know how cracked. Yeah. And then as it goes on and she starts to you know, show just how, how twisted and broken she is, um, you know, that tension starts building up more and more over the course of the film. Um, and it's not like, you know, one of King's supernatural stories where, you know, there are scattered frights throughout it. Mm -hmm. This, you know, until you get to the hobbling scene, um, you know, she's she's obviously kind of crazy, but you don't realize how crazy yeah. until she breaks his ankles. Yeah, we're strictly earthbound here. Yes. Um, but it, this film does, does the slow, um, creaky crawl up the roller coaster of suspense mm-hmm. very well. Right. And... It really doesn't reach the top until near the very end mm-hmm. where, you know, he he kills her. He's able to, he hatches a plan and he's able to carry it out, granted, hiccup along the way, but... Yeah, it's like, kick it, make sure it's still dead, poke <laughs> it with a stick. Hit it again, Hit and it again. again, and again. Yeah. Yeah, that's always the mistake people make when... There's always that last burst of energy. You never assume it's dead on the That's first right. try. Double tap. That's what you got to do. Um, Learn that in Zombie Land. So anyway, um, yeah, that, that's what I enjoyed most about the movie is it, it's tense pretty much from the time he wakes up, but it's not real tense. You think, well, maybe she's just a little obsessed. But the longer it goes on, and you know, he he manages to get out of the room the first time because the door's always locked. He fashions a key out of a hairpin, um, and he rolls through the house because he's got to the point where his legs are a little better. And, and she's got a wheelchair. And she's got him writing a new misery book that brings misery back to life. Yeah. Uh, we I completely left that part out. Um. And she's and he's rolling through the house, and he, you know, her, she's got a couple of framed pictures of Liberace, which we find out later is her favorite singer. Um, and 
various tchotchkes and collectibles and, uh, you know, stuff that looks like an old woman's house. Her decorating style could be um, described as early spinster. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Thank you. Um, I'm a wordsmith. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's all this uh, doilies and... And all this other stuff, yeah, just just useless junk everywhere. And then he finally gets to the phone, but there's nothing. It's just a phone, like the outside of it. It's gutsless. Yeah, it's it's you know for you youngins, it was a it was a landline. Mm -hmm. And he picks up the receiver and doesn't get a dial tone, and he turns it over. And it's just the shell. There's there's no guts in there's it. There's no guts in the phone. And he wheels around the house, and and he's looking for something or anything. He can. He's trying to find an open door to the outside, and they're all locked. Um, you know, that's that's when the tension really starts to crescendo. Is when he is trapped alone. In this house. And we don't know when she's coming back. And we don't know when she's coming back. Um, and, you know, it, and at one point in the movie, she says, you're never leaving here. And if I die, you, you die. die. Yeah. Of course, we think she means if I get, if I die in an accident or have a heart attack. But I think she means something else, as she we, talks about later. Yeah, we get a look at that later. Yeah. So she's just... She's a wackadoodle. Yes, she is. Uh, James Caan is brilliant, I think, in this role. He kind of plays against the tough guy um, persona that he had. Well, yeah, he's he's frankly a victim. Yes, he's and he he depends on her for food and and medicine. Um, we see we see him. Um, she's staring out the window of his room and they're carrying on a very awkward conversation and then he brings out a, a man's um, urinal bottle mm-hmm. from under the covers and so she's been taking care of his physical cleanliness ew yeah um, which made me think has he not pooped all this time no he's pooped <laughs> Well, they don't show us that. Thank God. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, it's it, James Con is is terrific. Of course, Kathy Bates won an Academy Award for her performance as Annie Wilkes. Now, two people who don't get much screen time, but we lo- I I love them every time they were on screen was Richard Farnsworth mm-hmm. as Sheriff Buster. And Francis Sternhagen as his wife, Deputy Virginia. Mrs. Sheriff Buster. Mrs. Sheriff Buster. Yeah. These are faces, even if you don't know their names, these are faces you know well. Yes. And um, they chew the scenery in a most delightful way. Yeah. he He's uh, he's this old crotchety man who, you know, there shouldn't really be much crime up there because there's not very many people where they're at. In Colorado, right? I think Colorado. Yeah. Um, but um, but he's smart. Yes. He's an old dude, but he's smart. He can do good old-fashioned detective work. Yes. Uh, of course, there's also a thing that happens 
when he figures out Annie Wilkes has got him or suspects Annie Wilkes has got him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a line in the book about there is in one of the books. One of the misery books. Yes, that says about being judged by higher power than man. Mm-hmm. God will judge me or something like yeah. that. And he writes that down as he's reading one of the books because he's trying to figure out where Paul Sheldon is. And he's trying to figure out where he knows this line from because he knows it from somewhere. Well, you see, that's, that, that is, for me, one of the weak spots in this movie is he, he remembers, and it turns out Annie Wilkes said it because she was charged with murdering a bunch of babies uh, in a hospital. Um, and some other people. And some other, well, yeah. But I think specifically for, for these for charges. one of the baby cases. It was yeah. one of the babies. And she says that on the steps of the courthouse. And that's captured in a newspaper. Yes, that's that's like the the caption under under the picture. You know, he hardly knows her. She she keeps pretty much to herself. Um, so that that one little bit of aha is stretching it a bit. I think for you, for me. I mean, it was a welcome because I knew it was going to kick off the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's just not, it doesn't seem like something that would stay in the back of his mind. And when he reads it in the book, he, go, he goes to the library and looks through old newspapers and there she is. I mean, and he didn't look very long, at least in the movie. You well, know, I mean, they don't show it very long. That's just, for, and I know they compress that kind yeah. of stuff, but yeah. But uh, both Sternhagen um, and Farnsworth, they're just a joy when they're on screen together. Mm-hmm. Um, and Frances Sternhagen, if you ever watched Cheers, <laughs> she was she was Cliff's mom on Cheers. Um, and even though the accent's different, the attitude's pretty much the same. Pretty much. Uh, she she takes no crap from anybody. She's constantly, you know, telling him that, you know, he needs to take it easy. He needs to slow down. And she also is a little frisky. Yeah. Because she says she'd much rather be in bed under the covers with him than driving around looking for a 65 Mustang. Yeah. So, uh, but they are great. I... I thought he deserved a better ending than he got. Yeah. Um, only because I like the character and the actor so much. Yeah. Uh, because he gets a shotgun blast through the back. Yeah. So that is uh, that's <laughs> that may be the only uh, murder that Annie would have been convicted of mm. if she had lived. Because there was a witness. Yeah. Well, that that. Um, and it was in her house, so it's yeah. kind of hard for her to say, "Oh, it wasn't me." <laughs> and his legs are broken, so anyway. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a terrific thriller that uh, doesn't try to beat you over the head with scares or um, you know a constant threat of 
impending doom, even though you kind of feel it early on, and it gets, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger as the movie goes on. So I think it's a very well written and um, directed movie. Of course, uh, Rob Reiner, uh, Meathead from All in the Family, was the director. Um, And it was written by William Goldman, who is a big-time scriptwriter in Hollywood, or was at the time. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a very well done, very interesting, and, you know, dis- despite the lack of cell phones, it still holds up. It does. It does. It doesn't really look dated hardly at all. Not really. Uh, yeah. Uh, other than the decor of her home, but it looked dated in design. 1990. Yeah, yeah so. that's by design. So, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. It was the first time I had seen it, and it was the first time you'd mm-hmm. seen it all the way through. Yes. Um, so, um, we, I think it's pretty obvious we enjoyed Misery. Did you, um, you'll you have, have any wait. other thoughts? You'll have to wait until after the break. Well, but do you have any other thoughts? For after the so, break. Very well. Uh, we will be back in just a moment, talk about, uh, give you our ratings for Misery as well as talk about what we've watched and listened to right after this. Welcome back to Comedy Tragedy Marriage. We watched Misery, uh, starring James Caan and Kathy Bates. And, uh, of course, James Caan, uh, as we're recording this, passed away last week at the age of 82. He had 173 credits on his IMDb page. Wow. I'm sorry, I... Went all dyslexic there. 137 credits. Still impressive. Acting credits on his IMDb page, including a movie called Fast Charlie that will be released next year. Wow. Now, whether that will be direct to video or uh, may actually get a theatrical release, don't know. But, uh, but yeah, 137 um, films that he was uh, in in some degree. He, uh, he did stunts. For 1941, the uh, 1979, well, let me clarify that, um, the 1979 Film uh, release. comedy, 1941. Uh, well, 1941, directed by Steven Spielberg, which was an enormous bomb, hmm. but he's in a bar fight scene, uncredited. Cool. And, uh, yeah, that that's his one stunt credit. He's also a director on uh, one, of his ni- one of his films from 1980 called Hide in Plain Sight. Um, I'm guessing that wasn't much of a hit because he didn't direct anymore. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's one of the classic tough guy Hollywood actors. A lot of his uh, roles were... Uh, you know, tough cops or tough bad guys. Jocks. Or, or jocks, yeah. And, of course, he's best known for his uh, Oscar-nominated uh, role in The Godfather. Sonny Corleone. Sonny Corleone, who has a rather violent death. I didn't realize he'd been nominated for an Oscar for that. Um, he's... Uh, for Best Supporting? Yeah. Interesting. Um, and we just watched that, you yes, know. Yes, we did recently so um and you know when when he passed there were all these tributes on twitter um twitter 
yes, that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from other actors or from people who just enjoyed his work. Um, and one of them was a uh, scene from a movie called Freebie and Bean. Um, let me look it up this way. Stands um, monkeying with a smartphone looking for facts. Freebie and the Beans from 1974, uh, starring Alan Arkin and James Caan. Uh, San Francisco police detectives Freebie and Bean are determined to bust local crime boss Red Myers at any cost, even if this means destroying the whole city in the process. Um, and the scene they were showing was where they were uh, riding, uh, where Arkin and Khan were riding in a car together and they're chasing after a bad guy and they get cut off the the uh, the bad guy squeaks past the train before it crosses the street but um, Khan backs up the car and Arkin is going don't do it don't do it don't do it <laughs> and there just happens to be a very handily placed ramp uh, on their side of the, the train mm-hmm. and there is a car that um, it, it has nothing on it. It's one of those flatbeds that's got no, nothing stacked a, a on it. A train car. Train car. Yeah. And so when that car goes by, he jumps off the ramp and lands on the other side. And of course, the car would have been destroyed based on the landing they showed, but of course, they just keep on driving. Of course. And uh, Khan's character goes, ta da! <laughs> um, <laughs> So I'm probably going to have to look that up and, and watch that. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's you know, he had this huge body of work. And uh, one of those, you know, he's in one of the greatest movies of all time in The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's in one that was a huge commercial and critical success in Misery along with other of his movies. So he was the dad in Elf. Yes, he yes. was he was Buddy the Elf's reluctant father. Yes. Uh and uh unfortunately um you know Santa Claus in that picture is uh, Ed Asner yeah, he and died he's too. passed away. So now he and James Conner are probably, you know, talking some smack up in heaven. <laughs> so uh yeah, it's uh it's sad that these these character actors from, you know, my youth yeah. are are going away or passing away. But it's uh, it's it's great that we still have his his work to uh, look back on. Um, Kathy Bates did win a uh, Academy Award for Best Actress for her work um, on Misery. Uh, the movie has a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And a 75 out of 100 on Metacritic. Um, Cinema score audiences gave the film an A minus, and uh, it was a financial success with a budget of 20 million dollars. It made 61.3 worldwide. So decent. Yeah. Well, and that's also 1990 dollars. So. Yeah. So misery. Uh, what rating do you give misery? Eleventy hobbled ankles. Oh, I know that pains you to say. A little bit. I'm looking at the ankle that I broke right now, even as we speak. 
Um, At least your scars are pretty much gone. Pretty much. Um, this is sort of where Kathy Bates broke through mm -hmm. as a as a film actress. Um, she had been. I just hit my mic, I think. Um, she had been a stage actor mm -hmm. and I think had had some minor film roles prior to this, but this was a blowout powerhouse, oh my gosh, who's this woman kind of performance for her. And she shows um, a great deal of range from um, very subtle moments of, of serious depression to goofball dancing around the room with her pig mm -hmm. and snorting like the pig because she's so excited that you know they've got the the writer in the house um, and and rage in her face um, poignant sadness she just she just was like a runaway train I think her work on stage allowed her to channel that sort of emotion, both the controlled, smiling, I love you, mm -hmm. I'm your number one fan, and then that, you killed her, you know, yeah. and the willingness loses, to hurt somebody. Yeah, when she loses her temper, you, it's, it's frightening just watching her in the room. You yeah. think, oh, get this woman's going to jump out the TV and get me. <laughs> Um, she just, she was remarkable. Also, a shout out to the late, great Lauren Bacall. Yes. Who um, she's portrayed. She's got two small scenes in the film. Yeah, she's, she's, it was a special, billed as a special appearance by Lauren Bacall, mm -hmm. um, who even in 1990, she was, you know, um, not a spring chicken anymore, but, no, but no. gorgeous. Yeah, still beautiful. Classy. Um, and and she, that voice, oh, that, that voice. voice. Well, that voice um, was trained into her because it wasn't the voice that she was born with, and it wasn't <laughs> the voice. It wasn't the voice she went to Hollywood with. Hmm. They worked on that voice, and it was cultivated. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a thing you know now. Yeah, thank you. Um, but she, she was um, his agent, I think. His, yes, literary, his literary, his agent. literary agent, um, and beautiful sort of bookend scenes to to open the film and close it with Lauren yes. Bacall so yes. um, yeah Eleventy Hobbled Ankles this movie was I'm not a horror movie person but this wasn't horror so much as mm -hmm. it was um, psychological suspense mm -hmm. and this movie was good and yes. I would watch it again five stars for me as well uh, it is just a masterpiece from start to finish other than my one little tiny quibble, it is it works. All the characters are spot on. Uh, the setting is is beautiful but remote, mm -hmm. so that almost plays yet another character yeah. in in the film. And, For sure. And um, I used to drive a Mustang roughly about that that year. Uh, back in the day. So that hits you in your feels a little bit. Well, a little bit, but the, it was kind of a beat up car and I didn't know how to take care of it so yeah I didn't keep it that long but uh, yeah I I love misery and I too would watch it again cool so what have you been watching well I want to talk first about a thing that I read um, a few months several months back actually I read um, a 
book from a couple of years ago by Delia Owens called Where the Crawdads Sing. And the reason I bring this up is because I read the book and enjoyed it tremendously. Well, this weekend, the movie opens mm -hmm. to much fanfare and great anticipation. And, and Taylor Swift did a song, oh my lord. Yeah, well, there's that. Um, <laughs> anyway, aside from that, um, my friend Mary Kay and I are hoping to go. And, you know, we'll see how schedules and, you know, hips and ankles and things are all, you know, by, yeah. the, by the end of the week when the movie opens. But um, that is a thing. Um, that will transition into thing one, transitions into thing two, as the book that I started yesterday um, is called All the Light We Cannot See. It's by Anthony Doerr, um, released um, late last year or early this year. Um, well, it won the Pulitzer, so. It's a Pulitzer Prize winner. It The library received it in January, so it must, must have, have come late out last late year. last year. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, uh, my friends in my socials are raving about it when I posted that I had started reading it. They're like, oh my gosh, you'll love it. It was great. Um, one of the sentences in the book that you'll find um, is one of the most beautiful sentences written in all of literature. And I'm like, okay, I can't wait for that. I've you know marked my little keyword and I'm on the lookout. Um, but the reason I mentioned this is because it is being made um, into, it's Netflix, I think. Um, is making this into a um, movie or limited series or something. I'm not really sure, and I'm I haven't done the homework recently to tell you. Um, but they're making it. It's being made into a television thing for one of the streamers. And two of my most favorite actors um, are already attached to the cast. That is Hugh Laurie and Mark Ruffalo. And so um, when I saw that months ago um, that they were attached to this project called All the Light We Cannot See. I'm like, oh, it's based on a book. I should probably read the book at some point. So now I'm reading the book and very much looking forward to um, the TV thing. And Stan is, I think, looking for where it's going to stream. And um, so anyway, books and books and movies. We started with and Misery, books, which books was from movies. Uh, yeah. So um, movies from books actually yes, yes, yes. Um, because we watched misery and that was based on a book and this is um, going to be based on a on a book and um, where the crawdads sing is based on a book and all the light we cannot see is on, net on netflix gonna be will on be netflix. on netflix can't wait uh it's a four-part series okay um and i do not see a premiere date yeah, they had like production issues, COVID and mm. all that kind of stuff. So th that horrible, damnable virus, which shall not be named, but I named it. Yeah, you said it already. Um, other than that, um, I'm trying to think what else I've watched. You watched that 9 to 5 documentary. I did. I watched um, a documentary called 9 to 5, um, the numeral 9 to the numeral Mm -hmm. um, it's a documentary that talks about um, a Chicago-based grassroots women's um, labor movement. Um, women were um, 
getting short shrift in the in the workplace you couldn't work if you were pregnant every it was still the the 60s and 70s were very much you know women's places in the home keep them barefoot and pregnant very mad men in their view very mad men in their a lot of um a lot of misogyny and sexual harassment if 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 you were um brave enough or um whatever enough to be out in the workforce you could either be a nurse a elementary school teacher um, or a secretary mm-hmm. and um, you face sexual harassment pretty much from is, all, every corner sexual of the job harassment market. sexual discrimination sometimes sexual assault sometimes assault yeah um, so um, this was a very enlightening look into this grassroots movement, which called themselves Nine to Five. Before the movie. Before the movie, yeah. The movie actually got its inspiration from the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that they were able to improve um, improve pay, improve conditions, um, and, and bring these issues around women's employment to light. Mm-hmm. So um, the other stuff I've watched, I think I've watched it all with you. So. Okay. Uh, one of those things we watched together was Wild Crime, a Rocky Mountain Murder on Hulu. Uh, it's an ABC News production, a four-part documentary about uh, a guy whose wife falls off a cliff and dies in the Rocky Mountain National Forest, is it National Park, is mm-hmm. that where it was? Yeah. And... Um, he thinks he's gotten away with the perfect crime, and for several years, it appears he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't realize that there was an investigative service that uh, looked into crimes committed on In national, national park lands. Yeah. Uh, also making it federal. Yeah. And uh, this one, inv- this one investigator, Beth Shot. She is just. I just love her. She is cool. And he, she starts digging into his past, this guy's past, and discovers another dead wife mm-hmm. who died under very odd circumstances, but it was declared an accident. Um, and it, it's just the whole story about how it, it took years and years to get this guy into court um, before he you know, uh, sweet-talked and wrangled another wife that he would kill, and the the motive is for the insurance money. Yeah, financial gain. And before it's all said and done, several agencies come together and cooperate yes. to nail this guy. Because officer or uh, investigator, investigator shot, shot has put together such a complete background on him that anybody just in the telling would go, well, I don't, how can you prove the difference between a fall and a push to once she's got all of this background on him, even people who were skeptical at first go, oh yeah, he definitely killed her. Yeah, and including, you know, she goes back and digs into the first wife's mysterious death and they're able to kind of tie loose ends together um, connecting the two. So if, uh, if you like true crime, by all means, check out Wild Crime, a Rocky Mountain Murder four-part documentary series on Hulu. Several things we watched this week were on Netflix. Oh, before I get to that, I wanted to uh, let people know that I've been doing a um, 
I've gone back into the archives of the podcast, How Did This Get Made, which is kind of an inspiration for comedy, tragedy, marriage. Uh, but they are very talented and imaginative and funny people who do that podcast and can and, and dig pretty deep into these terrible movies. <laughs> uh, the last one I was listening to was the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito Jr., where Arnold Schwarzenegger is pregnant. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> that was after Twins. After Twins, yeah. Um, and twins they decided is... to put them back together to, to, they, again, part of a scientific experiment, DeVito and Schwarzenegger are twins. Yes. Uh, that was the punch bowl. Junior is the turd in the punch bowl. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah. I was a little lost there, but now I understand. Um, so, but I've, I've gone back to the very beginning, their very first episode, um, and, and making my way through, I'm up to the junior episode right now. Uh, and it is, they are so funny and the guests they have on, uh, Jason Manzukis, who is mostly known as, a uh, like a supporting actor and things. I do not think he's a comedian per se. But he is but so he's just funny. He is so wild and funny, and and will say pretty much anything. Oh, um, I like him. And he's uh, yeah, he and he and uh, Paul Shear, who is the host, ish, and <laughs> uh, Paul's wife, June Diane Raphael, and uh, and uh, Jason. They they are usually the three that are on the show and they they have a guest they yeah. they you they used to have more guests they used to have at least one a week uh that has since dropped off in newer episodes okay and i guess in part due to covid maybe but um yeah i'm having a great time going through those old episodes so uh how did this get made the podcast um if uh you have stitcher premium you can go all the way back for their entire catalog now, I quit paying for Stitcher Premium some time ago, okay. and I still have access to all that stuff. So I don't need to know that. Uh, yes, neither does anybody else, and yet I have just shared it with the uh, f t five to ten people who listen to this. So April Fool! Don't rat me out. Um, we watched uh, The Girl in the Pitcher. Yes. On Netflix. It more is, true crime. It, yeah, more true crime. It is approximately 90 minutes, maybe a little longer about this twisted sick guy his daughter winds up dead on the side of the road uh the police initially classify it as a hit and run mm -hmm. but then they start looking into um you know this guy and he's it's difficult to explain and i don't want to spoil it it's very twisty, though. Nobody's exactly who you think they are. Exactly, yes. Um, and there are, you know, there it's, are, it's very um, Byzantine. There are, there are numerous aliases. There's children who seemingly come out of nowhere. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's dead strippers um, or a dead stripper. Uh, well, I guess two if you count the first girl. But, yeah, she, uh, this, it blew my mind. It's impossible to explain. It is so, that it's it's more bent than a paperclip. There yes. are more twists and turns than a, you know, mountain road. 
it's it's really and good. I'm not going to say you're going to enjoy it, but I was fascinated from the very beginning. Yeah, it's a it's really an interesting story because you're never sure what's going on, or who's who, or or anything. I mean, it's 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 heartbreaking and terrible, um, and content warning. They do talk about the murder of at least one child. Uh, yeah, this is not for the faint of heart. No, so you got to kind of have a strong stomach for this kind of thing. Not that they show anything gory or anything like that, but it's just a subject it's, matter. It's just a really, really dark uh, uh, look at this depraved man. So the girl in the picture on Netflix. It, if you're into that, well, and I didn't do it. If it's something you think you can handle, I recommend it. Um, and then we got around to something that has been out for a while, Murder Mountain on Netflix, um, about all the disappearances that have been happening in the, in the Green Triangle of uh, Northern California where a lot of legal and illegal weed is being grown. Primarily Humboldt County. Humboldt County. Um, is is the focus of it, and again, what is there like four episodes, three episodes, six episodes? I don't remember, but um, it's 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 an area that was at first moved to by counter counterculture hippies from the '70s who were just looking to be free. Off grid, grow your own food, grow your own weed, be self sufficient, raise your kids away from the smog and pollution, and right. blah, blah, blah. And it was just supposed to be this, this free society. But as uh, the war on drugs uh, perpetrated by President Nixon gets kicked off and the price of weed goes up, it becomes far more profitable to, to, uh, you know, to grow weed and sell it. Um, and instead of just use it, using it for yourself and your friends. And apparently there's something in the, um, in the climate, the microclimate there in this three-county area that um, produces marvelous marijuana. I don't know from weed, so I couldn't tell you, yeah, but apparently good product grows there. That and the fact that the area is covered in redwoods and other forests uh, it may it was it at first made it harder for uh, uh, the sheriff or a DEA or whatever to come, you know, fly over in their helicopter mm -hmm. and spot your weed. But they got better at it. And then California legalized weed, and there were all these, um, you know, uh, you had to to meet certain environmental regulations and. Uh, you had to make sure you weren't polluting too much. No pesticides. And you had to buy state permits and licenses mm -hmm. and all this stuff. So it got to the point where, well, it still is, that it, it actually costs you far more money to be legitimate than it does to being a criminal. And they look at both sides of what's going on in the area. But the reason they call it Murder Mountain is so many people go missing and are found dead mm -hmm. uh, in that region because it's rather lawless. In part because of all the weed growing and in part because the Humboldt County Sheriff's Department is 
stretch so thin and the area is so large, mm -hmm. they just don't have the manpower. Uh, so uh, it, I'm sure many of you have already seen it, but um, and because it's been out for like four years or something like that. But uh, but it was really good. I think we hit it, it all in one setting. Uh, one Over sitting. the weekend, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, so Murder Mountain on Netflix. Finally, Michelle Buteau. Welcome <laughs> to Butopia on Netflix. A one-hour comedy special from three years ago or two years ago by comedian, stand-up comedian Michelle Buteau, who is just this ball of um, bronze energy. Uh, she's... Uh, you know, she's very funny, somewhat dirty, but not real crude dirty, just sort of more like... Juvenile bathroom humor dirty. Eh, kind of. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Not Lisa she's, Lampanelli dirty. No. 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 But she, she's, uh, she's just very funny, and to be honest, I am somewhat attracted to her. So She's hot. Yeah, she is. So, uh, we thought that her special was quite good. Michelle Buteau, welcome to Butopia on Netflix. Anything else? Nope. Thank you for listening to Comedy Tragedy Marriage. We appreciate it. Of course, Maud uh, Maud's choice is next week. She of course does not know what she's going to what we're going to talk about. Don't assume. Do you have an idea of what we're going to watch? No, but don't assume. Oh, okay. Well, you just confirmed my assumption was correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. You assume I'm telling the truth. Anyway, do your spiel. <laughs> So if you would be so kind as to go to Apple Podcast or to Spotify and give us five stars, give us a uh, follow, rate, and review on any of the platforms that let you do that, we would greatly appreciate it. If you have a suggestion for something you'd like us to watch and talk about on Comedy Tragedy Marriage, just send us the name of what it is you want us to watch and why you think we should watch it. Send that in an email to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. You can also click the link in the description of this episode and leave us a voice message. That takes care of it for this week. I'm Stan the Movie Man. She's Maud the Movie Broad. Love you. Love you. And until next time. Later. later.